It's Shark Week. I love sharks. Uh, and uh, we came across this really interesting story. It's not about sharks today so much, but sharks a long, 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 long time ago, millions and millions of years ago, in fact. Um, the Earth, obviously, nothing like what it is today. Uh, if you visit the Terrell Museum in Drumheller, you can see it. Uh, this province was more of a hot tropical place back then. So, so what changed, and how can we possibly know what changed and what changed it? Well, shark's teeth, believe it or not. Yeah, fossilized shark's teeth from way back when can give us some clues. So let's find out how. We're going to chat now with Sora Kim, the assistant professor of paleoecology at the University of California. Uh, Sora, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. This is really interesting. I love the article. Um, fossilized shark teeth. First of all, just... Um, tell us how they can provide these clues, what you can find out by examining fossilized shark teeth. Um, well, you can find out a lot. I think that up till now, a lot of paleontologists have more so used them to figure out, you know, what types of uh, sharks were living, what types of shark communities there were, um, and I'm sort of taking it in a different direction and looking at the shape of the teeth to sort of see how big the sharks are. Uh, you might imagine that little sharks have little teeth and yep. big sharks have big teeth. <laughs> and so we have um, these relationships that we have for modern sharks. And so I'm interested in sort of like, were the sharks living in a certain place? Were they mostly small or were they mostly big? Were they juveniles? Were they adults? Um, and then the other part of it is looking at the chemistry of the teeth. And the chemistry of the teeth can tell us a little bit about the water that they were living in, in terms of uh, temperature, salinity, but also the flow of currents within the, the global ocean circulation. Okay. How does that explain to us what was going on in terms of the climate they were living in? Well, the temperature and the salinity are, um, are definitely related to temperature. Um, you might imagine that if you picture Antarctica, it, I think that we all think of somewhere that's really cold right. and inhospitable. But if you look at the actually the oxygen isotope composition of these teeth, the chemical that I look at, um, there's a marker in there in how the oxygen atoms, the heavier versus light oxygen atoms are as to the temperature of the water and the salinity of the water. So fresh water has a certain sort of signal and marine waters have a certain signal. And the marine waters, they sort of, the relative spacing of these oxygen isotope compositions tell us about temperature. So for these Antarctic waters, um, the data that I have suggests that it was pretty darn warm. It was somewhere um, around, I think that it was like 18 to 20 degrees Celsius. Wow. Okay. Obviously much different now. Have you been able to determine based on your work, um, what, what caused this? Why things changed? When they changed? How they changed? Yeah, so that's just like where things, I think, get really interesting and fun in science because there's infinite number of possibilities, sure. but science is constantly sort of honing in on what could be the most possible. And so I'm collaborating with a bunch of other folks, um, some who are paleoceanographers that look at the ocean circulation patterns, um, right now with Antarctica, there's this Antarctic circumpolar current, and that sort of traps all the cold in, 
around Antarctica. And so that's one hypothesis is that, you know, um, that the cold was not being trapped at Antarctica, that there was more um, circulation and movement of water, um, perhaps with the Drake Passage being uh, closed or narrower than it is today, the Drake Passages between South America and the Antarctic Peninsula. Um, but I also work with a group of um, paleoceanographers uh, or for uh, paleoclimate modelers. So these are sort of the folks with the climate models that are projecting how climate's going to change into the future. We can actually do that for the past. And that was part of the motivation for the study of um, we can't necessarily say how accurate these models are going to be going into the future, but maybe if we can um, make sure that we've got the past, you know, dialed and that uh, the models are able to predict what we're seeing in other evidence, that we can have more confidence in them. Yeah, so what does it tell us about modern times? Can we extrapolate and sort of get some indication of what kind of effects or, you know, temperatures are having on sharks in modern times? Um, a little bit. I mean, in terms of uh, organisms, they have sort of this evolutionary history, and so we would imagine that what they were able to survive in their past, they have some capacity to also adapt to in the future. Unfortunately, we're changing climate at a much more rapid pace than really any other time that we've seen um, in geologic history. And so um, it's hard to say that if the sharks would be able to adapt at the rate that we're actually changing the water temperature. But really, these climate models are also showing us that it, climate is very complicated and there's a lot of interactive effects and we don't necessarily have it figured out yet. And so one thing is, is that um, for these high latitude areas, especially, we don't necessarily have um, the models all sort of give us different outputs. And even the organisms give us different outputs. Like the clams from these same areas record much colder temperature waters than the shark's teeth necessarily do. Interesting. Okay, now just about sharks in particular. The sharks that you're studying, I mean, these are the same sharks that are out swimming in the ocean today, right? I mean, maybe changed a little bit, but we're talking about the same species here, right? They've survived that long. They're actually not the same species. Their teeth are just almost completely oh, identical. Okay. So the modern Santager sharks that we have today, um, I... I use them as what I call like a modern analog. And so that would be um, just that they look similar or that they, we think that they have a similar lifestyle, but there's no way to know at 100% since they're not the same species. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting work, Sora. Thank you so much for chatting with us about it today. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Sora Kim, who is a paleoecologist at the University of California. I didn't even know that was a thing.